Hi, this is Shivangi and you're listening to School From Home. In this episode, I speak to Anish Ramachandran, a social leader who transitioned from working in the corporate for 25 years to working for a non-profit now empowering rural education around Bangalore city. He shares stories of how the foundation is bringing education to the children and the challenges faced in managing it with the ongoing pandemic. You will find information about him and the foundation's work in the episode description. Also reminding you that this episode was remotely recorded. So kindly bear with the speech clarity. Hey Shivangi, thank you so much for inviting me to the show and it's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I am the honorary CEO of uh, 1 billion literates foundation. It's a non-profit we are registered as a charitable trust. My own journey into the social sector or the development sector has not been a linear one. I am a management professional by education and by training. For quite some time, I had thought about wanting to do something in the space of education. If I were to relate a instance from my own childhood, uh, I think this was probably around the time that I was maybe ten or eleven. My mother had come across an advertisement uh, in the newspaper. It was from SOS Children's Village. It was asking for potential donors of for young children, and so they had this conversation with us. And uh, she said, "What do you What do you think about this?" You know, for a ten year old at that time, it was a very exciting prospect. And I thought I was getting a sibling. Uh, we said, "All right, let's go do this." You know, we started corresponding with this uh, with this place, and they sent. us names and photographs and you know we we decided on one child and her name was Julie and i also very vividly remember us driving down uh, we were in this little town called calicut in kerala and we drove down from calicut to where this uh, village was in uh, trichur i remember meeting julie and had these quaint little houses which housed a handful of uh, young children with a lady designated as the mother of the house and so i think it is uh, stood in my mind that the idea that i should do something uh, meaningful with whatever resources i have for the betterment of those less privileged than i quite soon after i left a mutual friend introduced me to the foundation what we do is focus on foundational and primary education for uh, underprivileged children we work exclusively in rural areas what we do is uh, work in this with an abiding belief that engaging the community uh, around uh, the children in sustaining education is really important we identify semi educated women from these very same communities and villages uh, we build teaching capacity in them uh, employ them to work as para teachers in rural government schools that we work with it's been a very happy transition yes certainly this is very inspiring like it's been quite a journey i also feel you know it's necessary at this point to address how covid has impacted the foundation's core mission and purpose like you stated so can you share with us what was the impact like initially during the lockdown 
Fortunately, uh, we were done with our last academic year. The foundation typically has a summer program for the children that we work with. And it was very apparent to us that uh, we couldn't do that. So we said, uh, what's the best thing that we can do? We decided to really reach out into those communities and provide them help in whichever way they needed and whichever way they would benefit from it. A small team from our foundation, just about three or four people, would go deep into our communities, into the villages. We used to distribute rations. We used to distribute essential commodities. Uh, we worked with the local panchayats to drive education for the field staff to educate them about COVID and what they could do to safeguard themselves, teach villagers and villages that they would go into about COVID. So we did all of that for about uh, three months. Uh, our response was to work with the communities for immediate uh, humanitarian relief. So it started with addressing the very simple basic needs and their mental health needs before even thinking about how we can continue to provide schooling needs, right? Absolutely. Our effort was to ensure that people had the minimum resources they needed to sustain themselves. Certainly. And I think this itself is a very beautiful way of educating about COVID, the virus and a lot of other things in which they will be learning in the process. So we were very fortunate to have this network of women across the villages that we worked with. And they would help us tremendously in identifying pockets of population that were really deeply impacted. I think these NGOs and the rest of the civic bodies did a tremendous job in, in the last mile delivery of relief to people who were deeply impacted by it. That has been one of the joys of working and being part of a movement like we have in this foundation. It's just amazing to see what programs like this can do to build confidence of uh, people uh, who haven't had the privilege of studying as much as they wanted to. So, uh, you know, talking more about education, looking at the current situation with the formal schooling getting delayed, what is the foundation doing or planning to get the school to the children versus the other way around? Many of the people in these communities that we work with don't have access to technology. Either they don't have the means and the resources to own a smart device or they don't have internet access in the remote villages where they live. The strength that we as a foundation have is our network of women, network of para-teachers, uh, as we call them. And we said, why wouldn't we leverage this network to drive education to the children. If children can't come to school, let's take the learning to the children. We have them fan out, first talk to the parents and tell them about the need for education and the importance of continuing some kind of learning for their children. For those families and parents who are willing, what uh, these women do is they're running community learning sessions. These are, if you can imagine, a small group of 10 to 15 children coming together in an open space. Um, and we run these classes in temple compounds. We have had one of our parateachers run this in an open road, a side path, which was relatively clear and we had children sitting on either side and the parateacher taking a class. There are parents who are reluctant to send children out and understandably, we understand that concern and that fear. And so we said, let's not 
exclude them. So we have a small group of interns with us who are helping us design really lovely, fun, engaging worksheets. So our paraticheers take printouts and copies of these worksheets and also they arm themselves with crayons and coloring pencils and just uh, empty sheets and take them to the doorstep of these children and give it to them and have them engage in stimulating exercises for children who have access to some form of technology and and what we have done is in collaboration with another ngo which has got a similar vision as us we have created a small group on whatsapp and every morning by 10 am the person managing this group sends out an exercise it's a cognitive exercise it could be as simple as you know work with your parents to create a, a dish that you like and write down the recipe uh for that dish i have been blown by the creativity that comes out of these children and in, uh, in how they visualize these challenges and translate that into a lovely drawing on paper right wonderful you know uh talking more about technology i i would also like to learn from you since i also believe the foundation focuses on digital literacy so what are the challenges faced in this area there is the importance of digital literacy and then there is the reality that you have large parts of the population that are kind of cut off from this need for digital literacy by very virtue of their economic and social status the technology has to be designed in such a way that the platform allows people to access technology or access that content without the need to be necessarily connected to the internet we are right now in the process of exploring technology that will help us do that the world is going to be challenged with thinking about how do you make these devices more accessible or available at a lower cost such that the cost does not become an uh, inhibiting factor or a constraining factor in in driving education uh, i think we have to think about what's the infrastructure that is already available with the demographic that is that we are talking about and how can we leverage that technology so you know i'll be also curious to learn from the ngos perspective like what has been the most challenging issues post lockdown apart from fulfilling this these schooling needs and empowering the less privileged you know like funding or driving scale versus deepening the impact uh, the constant challenge is always to think about how much we have to do and how much there is to do with and balance that with let's do the most we can within the constraints of the funding that we have the pandemic has resulted in a situation where a lot of people have donated to causes that are important to them to help manage the fallout of the pandemic just speaking for ourselves as we started our own humanitarian relief work we were blown away by the response that we got it far exceeded our expectations the funds available for other causes is lesser than what it would have been otherwise so that's a challenge right absolutely You know I also want to uh, take a moment and stress on the mental health needs of these populations. So I believe mental health is a very key component in adapting to changes and especially now to the pandemic. How else uh, creatively or different ways that you guys have adopted in supporting their mental health needs at such a time? 
our approach has been to create purpose. And what better way to create purpose than to engage them in this process of driving education to children? My belief is that when you provide them purpose, they find very creative ways to engage in the task and be very resilient themselves. We help communities ensure that they don't lose hope. The way that we have done it is to constantly reach out to those communities that we are part of. One such community is a community of uh, waste pickers. They live together. This is a community of about 100 families with close to 450 members in all. Pandemic has resulted in them not being able to go out as part of their vocation, as part of their livelihood. The fear that is there in the community and the neighborhoods has meant that they are not able to do that. They've been losing hope as well. It's more than three months now. We have sustained our work with them. We help them with essential commodities. They live in these shanties that get easily flooded when the rains come. Uh, and so they were running out of clothes and we helped them with a clothes drive. Uh, and so continuous, persistent engagement with communities is essential to give them hope, to communicate to them through deeds and through actions that there are people who believe in them and the people who will help them sustain through a dark phase. So uh, talking more about mental health, I would also love to learn from you, you know, being a social leader. How do you ensure your mental well-being in this process? I find that being in the field, uh, you know, during the months that uh, the lockdown was going on and we were continuing our relief work, I found going out in the field was actually very refreshing. It helped me find belief in myself. It was very strengthening as, as well. To me, that was purpose. So, you know, with that, uh, can you share with us something that you might have learned during this period? I am just blown by the generosity of the society around me. I think this pandemic revealed the giving, generous nature of people, of the more privileged people, not just in terms of money, but what they gave of themselves in terms of the resources that they had, the time that they had, the energy that they had has been just stupefying and i'm i'm really blown by that generosity thank you so much anish for coming to the show it was lovely chatting with you on a thursday morning <laughs> it's been it's been lovely chatting with you too shivangi thank you for the opportunity i have really enjoyed the conversation so this brings us to the end of our episode today stay tuned in and see you next week